0: Grace to see an H D. All right. Our scripture for this year. It's not just a scripture for today, but it's a scripture for this year is in Psalm sixty-five, eleven. It says, You crown twenty seventeen with your goodness, and your past drip with abundance. So you ought to put that on your refrigerator, put that on your mirror. Put it on your kids' foreheads, put it everywhere. <laughs> Psalm sixty-five, eleven. You crown twenty seventeen with your goodness. Aren't you thankful it doesn't say with your badness? It says with your goodness and your past drip with abundance. And so uh, last week we started uh, talking about imagination and seeing right, having an imagination. How many know that God gave you imagination? It's not your de- the devil or it's not your your boss, your mother-in-law or anybody else. It's uh, God gave you your imagination. And uh, imaginations are powerful. Whether you're a believer or whether you're a non-believer, they're powerful no matter what. And the Bible proves that because in Genesis, we said this, we'll pick up here. Genesis chapter 11, verse 4 and 9 says, And they said, Go, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach... Unto heaven, Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and a tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, this is God. He said this about these people. He said, behold, the people are one. And they have all one language, and this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them. How much? Nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. God said nothing they have imagined to do is going to be restrained from them. Now they were in rebellion. Uh, theologians say about that time there's about 10,000 people on the planet. And those 10,000 people were first of all they're trying to make a name for themselves, which that wasn't, you know, all right. And then God told them to replenish the earth and so to scatter around the earth and replenish it. They did the exact opposite. They all got together. So they were in rebellion to God. And even though they were in rebellion, their imagination was so powerful that God said nothing they've imagined to do will be restrained from them. So as believers, people who believe in God or God's kids, how much more and how your imagination, how powerful is it? So this is what we are going to do in 2017 to make sure you and I get the right picture up here because your picture, my picture, can all be better. Sometimes it's not a good picture. Sometimes it's not a clear picture. Uh, But man's ability to accomplish things in life, it's linked to your imagination. So you can accomplish things Based upon what you see up here. So it's vitally important. So you could even say this, that your imagination is like the womb for creativity. That's a powerful thing. It's a God-given thing. So this is why, I believe this is from God, because I, I, I didn't think about this. That's why, you know, 30, 40 years ago you couldn't Photoshop. Now we can Photoshop. You know what I mean by Photoshop. You know, you see a picture of somebody and you go, well, they photoshopped that. What does that mean? Uh, They're about 20 pounds heavier than that. They photoshopped it. Yeah, or took the wrinkles off, put more hair up there. Whatever, you know, they can do that. But uh, the picture that you and I need to have in our mind is the picture that you want for your life. For In other words, we said this, if you're trying to lose weight, uh, you need to get God involved in that. If you want to eat healthier, be healthier, get God involved. Don't try to just if you try to do it by yourself more than likely you will fail. Statistics have proven that. So you get a different picture. if every time you look in a mirror and you know if you're fifty pounds overweight, what do you see? You see somebody who's fifty pounds overweight. So what do you do? You get a picture and you photoshop that baby. Put that picture up on the mirror and say, That's me. If you want to be more successful in life, get you a picture of if you're wanting to run a business or if you're wanting to be successful, get a picture of something. I don't know what. I don't know. Go to God and you go to your spouse, go to somebody, say, What could I get a picture of? Whatever it is, and you get a picture of that and you plaster it over anything and everything. Anything and everything. Just get a different picture. And get that into your imagination and start believing God because all of us need a better picture of our life. But today I want to talk to you about getting a different picture about God your Father because from me to everybody in here to everybody on this planet, our picture of our Heavenly Father has been blurred to some degree. It's been out of focus. Have you ever seen pictures like, you see that, you know, it's a Capitol building? Now, the picture on the right is really, really out of focus. If the picture on the left is out of focus, you need glasses. Because that's that's a clear picture. But uh, God wants us to have a better picture of Himself inside of us. What do I mean by that? Well... If you were raised in church, more than likely, you were probably raised with a picture of God uh, that he, we didn't say this. We never said this. I never heard this. But this is what we basically thought that God was a murderer. What do I mean by that? Well, God took your mother. God took your father. God took your spouse. God took your kid. God took somebody. But we just said God took them. Interpretation, he murdered him. Nobody says that, but that's what, that's what we would say. Or if um, you got sickness, well, God is trying to teach you something, so God put sickness on you. So God put sickness on people, God killed people, and then we had acts of God, you know, tornadoes and hurricanes and your house burning down. All during that time, the devil was unemployed. Went right over your head, didn't it? But anyway, I mean, if God was doing all of that, the devil wasn't doing squat. But that's what we thought. We, I mean, God's in control of everything. First of all, you forgot that God gave man this planet. If anybody's in control, it should be you and me. Hallelujah. But this is my point. Most of our picture of God the Father or of Jesus is blurred. It's not really a good picture of Him. So we need to get in your DNA and my DNA the right picture. And so it has to begin with this, that God does not take people. God does not kill people. God does not put sickness on people. God did not burn your house down. God did not steal your car, repossess your house. None of those bad things did God do. You say, well, pastor, then I don't know why it happened. I don't have, let me just preface this with this. I don't have all the answers. I don't know why your aunt died when she was 50. I don't know why you lost a baby when it was three months old. I don't have all the answers, but I do have one answer for you. It wasn't because God took them. Now listen, this may rub you the wrong way, this message. This message. But I'm asking you, the greatest quality in life is to be teachable. At least listen with an open mind. Don't be like concrete. You can't move concrete. And there's a lot of religious people that cannot be moved up here. You know what that means? They'll never learn. They'll never learn. So be open. You say, well, I've got a scripture that says that. Well, for every scripture you have, I've got two that goes against it. So blah, 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 blah. If you want to believe, listen to me. If you want to believe that your heavenly father does those terrible things, I feel sorry for you. I said this in the first service, you know. You know, if if social services knew that you were putting sickness on your kid, you'd lose your kids. I think God has a higher standard than our social service. I mean, this is just common sense. If You're telling me if you mistreat your kids, social services will come in and take legally take your kids away from you because you're mistreating them. But we serve a God who kills people, puts sickness on people, will destroy you, break your leg and do all these things. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Are you kidding me? You're telling me our social service has a higher standard than our Heavenly Father? Come on. It wouldn't be so funny if people wouldn't believe that. But there's people all around the world who believe that today. And it's a lie. It is a lie. So our goal this year in 2017 is to get in our foundation, in our DNA, and get a better picture of God than we've ever had before. So you need to believe that no matter what. If somebody says, well, what do you mean God didn't take them? Yeah, God didn't kill that person. And you have to know this. If you're at a funeral and somebody's standing up behind the pulpit and they say, you know, in Job, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, God took this person. Do not stand up. No, 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 that's wrong. No, nah, nah, that's wrong. My pastor said, no, God didn't take them. It's not the place. If you have a friend, And they say, well, I don't understand why God took them, you know. Don't don't shove your doctrine down somebody's throat. Love them. There may be an opportunity, but just because you know a truth doesn't mean you need to blast it any time and every time. (laughs) Just be loving. Just be loving. But you do need to know that no matter what, do I have the answers why? Somebody died? No. But I do know one thing. It needs to be in us that God didn't kill him. God didn't take him. Why did so-and-so get the flu? Why did I get the flu? I don't know, but God didn't do it. Let's just be real. We live in a world that's being cursed by the devil. So that should be a clue up here. But it's not because of God. He doesn't put sickness on people. He doesn't cause people to live in poverty. He doesn't take finances away from people to try to teach them something. In 2 Timothy it says that God has given us the Bible to teach us, to instruct us. So that means you're not going to learn anything from throwing up except how to better hold the toilet bowl. It won't be because God is instructing you or trying to teach you something. No, God's not trying. He doesn't teach that way. No more than you would teach your kid. Well, Son, I'm going to teach you how to be a man. We're going to make you throw up. But Dad, I don't really want to learn that. (laughs) But we say that to religious people. We say that to religious people. Well, God may be trying to teach you something. I just always want to say, what might that be? Because I really, in all the years I've had something come up on me, Really didn't learn anything spiritual. Didn't learn anything spiritual at all. No, you know what it is? It's man not knowing or having a reason, not knowing the answer, and so what do they do? They blame God. That's what it is, people. I hate to say it, but that's what it is. I don't know why so and so died. Well, God took them. I don't know why I lost my house. God took it. I don't know what so and so got really sick. He's and it's a terminal disease. God's trying to teach him something. It's all God. I'm telling you. That is horrible to think that way of our heavenly father. Are you out there? So let's just stop it. Stop it. Stop thinking that way. We don't have to have all of the answers, but there's one answer you have got to have. It is not God. He's good. And I can prove it. I'm going to give you some scriptures. But we need to have a better vision. You know, they came out with this um, 4K OLED television. You ever heard of an OLED? I looked it up because I didn't know what it stood for. Organic light emitting diode. If you're like me, that's like, oh, yeah, I totally still don't understand. But... um, Instead of, you know, the LED lights your, that light up the, the inside of your TV, electricity goes through this. This Anyway, it makes your picture clearer. <laughs> and costs about three grand. I don't know, my TV's pretty bright and nice for what I pay for it. But anyway, my whole point is this. They're constantly trying to make things come into focus and be more lifelike and to be more of what it really is. So, we're going to go on a journey as a church family to see and to know that how God really is, not what we've been told, not what we've been taught. And let me just say this I'm so thankful for my religious background. I'm saved today. I'm born again today. I'm a pastor today because of my background. So, I'm not putting that down. I just know one thing they taught me what they knew, but it was fuzzy. It was out of focus. And so they taught me what I... And today, guess what? I'm still out of focus. And so are you. So don't laugh too hard. We don't know God exactly the way He is. You'd be God. So we're on a journey. We all keep getting better and better and knowing Him better. But my goal as a pastor and to teach you is to get you and me to see Him in a better way. And that way is nothing, nothing but good. There is no bad in Him. There is no evil in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God took the sinless Christ and poured into Him our sins. Then, in exchange, He poured God's goodness into us. He poured what? God's goodness into us. So inside of you today is His goodness. His life that He's destined for you is good. Everything about God is good. You need to get that picture of Him. Well, I just don't understand why I got fired. I lost my job. I don't know either. But you know what I would believe? The Bible says that everything works out together for my good. So God can turn something that is bad that happens to you. If you believe Him, He can go, hey, we'll turn this to good. He didn't cause the bad thing to happen, but He can take what the devil did, what you did, what anybody did, and go, let's make something good out of this. Why? Because He's good. Everybody say, God is good. It's one thing most religious people will believe that and come in agreement with you. It's another thing to say, He's not only good, He's good to me. Now we're on the right track. You believe that. You have to believe that about yourself. And it's not based upon... Your performance, because you and I were probably taught that, well, good things happen to me because you know, I go to church and I do this and I'm in, and I and I take care of people and I'm a good person, so God is good to me. Is that why God's good to you? Most people think that, because if you do do something wrong. If you do something wrong, then you don't believe that blessings are available to you. God's goodness is not being poured out to you. Most of us would say, oh, I, 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 don't believe, I believe God's good to me all the time. There's probably some hidden stuff inside of you that you don't believe that. Years and years ago, and I mean years and years ago, there's a guy I knew that his wife had an affair and so they split up and divorced and so a few months later we were talking and he says, Well, I know one thing. You know, God is gonna bless me, and I just know that his blessings are upon me no matter what happens. And and I said, Well, she's a believer too. She did wrong. And I'm not putting my stamp of approval upon this but she can be blessed. she's blessed too I said she's blessed too I said she's blessed too why because she's a believer did she do wrong yeah was were there uh, repercussions from that obviously they're not married anymore so there were repercussions but as far as God is concerned She's still the righteousness of God. Blessed coming in, blessed going out, never has departed from the favor of God. His favor has surrounded her 24-7. He didn't like that. Why? Because we have the mentality, listen to me, we have the mentality, as long as I make right choices, as long as I'm doing good, as long as as long, as long as me is doing right, then I have God's blessing. So let me just back this up to you, alright? So what we are saying, that Jesus crucified on the cross, His death, burial and resurrection, paid for all my sin, paid for everything for me, plus what I can do equals blessing. I love mathematics, geometry, trig, calculus, all that. That's a wrong formula. This is the formula. Jesus Christ, crucified, became sin, who knew no sin, made me the righteousness of God because I could not do it no matter what. Period. Period. I said period. It's because of Jesus. That's why we worship Him. That's why He's high and lifted up. It's all because of Him. It's not because of Him plus what I can do. But listen, you're saying amen, but listen to me. You know, my aunt, she read the Bible. She went to church. She fed the poor. She did everything right. And she died at 60. I just don't understand why she died. She passed her. She was a good woman. She died. You know what you're saying? It was Jesus. She believed in Him. And it was all these good things that she did to deserve these blessings. So I don't understand. You know the way that God sees it. It's Jesus and your self righteousness that equals blessing. Ah, that's puking God's face. It's not yourself. It anything that you can do. Am I saying don't do good works, don't do good things? No, I'm not saying that. But if you're basing those good things to get results in God, now we're talking self-righteousness. It's just where the rubber meets the road. It's Jesus and Jesus alone, period. It's what He has done and what you believe that He's done. If you believe that He paid for your sin, then you're good. What if I do something wrong? You know, because I, I was ministering to somebody one time and they they were raised in church and they they knew what i taught and believed they never they knew this and i heard them say well i think this sickness has come on i don't know why but i don't know why i'm being punished you don't know why you're being punished you're not being punished well then i just i'm being punished no you're not Let's back this up. God is not doing this to you. Well, you know, I don't do everything right. Well, scoot over. Let me get in bed with you because I don't do anything right all the time either. I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm trying to change our image, the picture that is blurry or just flat out out of focus. I have to be honest. If you think God killed you or did this or doing that and then you it's not even you can't even see an image in there. It's out so out of focus. Why is this important? Because the Bible says that my people in Hosea perish for lack of knowledge. I truly you know, most people think, yeah, my people perish for lack of knowledge. You know what I think the lack of knowledge is? The goodness of God. There's people perishing because they don't know the goodness of our Heavenly Father. And let me just say this. I don't care if you listen to me, if you listen to Andrew Womack, if you listen to Joseph Prince, or anybody that preaches on the goodness of God, you're still not going to get a good enough picture. <laughs> God is better than what any man can explain. He's better! He is. And I can prove it. I'll give you a scripture. Ephesians 2.7. Because I know you're sitting there and saying, you better give me a scripture for that. I'm glad you asked. Ephesians 2.7. That in the ages to come. Now that word ages to come means throughout all eternity. How many know eternity is forever and ever and ever? So forever and ever and ever. Eternity. That in the ages to come, He, God, might show the exceeding riches of His grace. In his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. So what is he saying? It's going to take eternity for God to show us how good and kind he is. No, I don't think you got that. It's going to take eternity for God to show how good he is. So you're telling me that we can exhaust that subject through a series? Some preaching, sir. I don't care if it's a 300 set volume. You're never going to exhaust the goodness and kindness of God. It's impossible. It's going to take God himself throughout all eternity. Throughout all eternity, he's going to be showing his kindness to us. It's not like, man, we've been up here for a million years. I'm, You getting bored? Yeah, I'm kind of bored. I'm tired of just, you know, just floating around, you know. I'm just tired. No, you're never going to get bored. You're never going to get... Ah. No, it's going to... Forever, you're going to see, Whoa, I didn't know he was that good. The next moment or whatever in time you want to express it, it's going to be, Oh my goodness, I just thought it was... That was good. Oh. And it's going to be like that and be like that forever and ever and ever. My point is this. We haven't even scratched the surface how good God is. He is so good. He is so good. The Amplified Version says this. He did that. He might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of His free grace. His unmerited favor and kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus so i don't care how good you think god is in your mind and in your theology and your belief system it's not good enough <laughs> i don't know if you got that or sw- you can you know first service people were gagging they couldn't swallow I don't care how good you think God is, it's not good enough. Pastor, I don't live right. I don't do right. You know, I I just I make mistakes. And the point is. Jesus' blood's not powerful enough for you. You're special. What he did is not good enough for you. You're special. None of us could do perfect. None of us could do everything right. It was impossible. I said it was impossible to do everything right. I used to, years ago when I preached on this, Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's called the blessing and cursing chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 28. The first few verses talk about the blessing. and But I want you to know and listen to how to get the blessing. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, faithfully, that means all the time, being careful to do all, say all, His commandments that I commend you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if... Everybody say if. You obey the voice of the Lord your God. Your towns... And then he goes on to say this. So my point is, so what the church has tried to do and what I've tried to preach in the past is like, okay, we just need to get on this. Let's obey God. Let's faithfully obey Him. Make sure we keep all His commands. I mean, just do everything He says. Let's just be perfect. And if we're perfect, emphasis on if, if we're perfect. If you keep reading 3 through 14, you'll be blessed in the field, you'll be blessed in the city. Your baskets will be blessed, your storehouses, your kids will be blessed. You're just going to be blessed. You go, but then you have to go back to the if. You got to go back to the if. You get all this stuff, you go back to the if and if you do everything right. Is that possible? Is that possible for anybody? It's not possible for me. I don't care how good your grandma was. It wasn't possible good. and She wasn't good enough. She wasn't perfect. I know you don't think she never did anything wrong. Oh, yes, she did. You just may not have seen it, but she did. The Bible says he who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. It's sin when you should I mean that's not like you lied and you cheated, you shot somebody, you you whatever. It's just says if you know to do good and you don't do it, to him it is sin. So that means like we all sin today already. So what are you saying, Pastor? How many know that God knew that? That you and I couldn't be perfect? Have you got that figured out? God had it figured out way before you had it figured out. He knew. He says, you know what? You're not going to be able to do this. So the bad news starts in verse 15. You go, well, that's, that's not really a bit bad. No, the worst is yet to come. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God, and if you do not obey all, I mean, you could do 99.999%, but if one-tenth, one-hundredth, one-thousandth of those promises is left out, It says, if you do not do all the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. And then from verse 15 to about 66, that's a lot of scripture. It says you'll be cursed in your body, you'll get this disease. How many of you have ever heard of the botch of Egypt? Hey, I hope you get the botch of Egypt. You don't have to know what that is, but I don't want that. What is it? I don't know, but I don't want it. The botch of Egypt. Oh, may a thousand fleas fly up and give you the botch of Egypt. It talks about, you. it's gruesome, these curses. I mean, it talks about boils on your body and you'll be sick in this and your children will be taken from you and you'll be sick in the field and you'll be everything. You're, you're, it's, it's a bad curse. So obviously when somebody says they're sick in their body, oh, it's just a blessing. You need to read Deuteronomy. The Bible says it's a curse. And then it says, verse 65, 66, around in there, it says, And any disease not listed in here shall be a curse for you. So that means AIDS and anything that was not even on the planet at that time. So any sickness is part of the curse. And it's part of the curse if you don't obey everything. How many think that this is not such good news, Pastor? First of all, you have to realize there's two covenants. How many covenants? Two. One covenant, the old covenant, and the new covenant. God says, I know you're not going to be able to do this, so I'm going to send Jesus. He will do Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2 with perfection. Pull that back up again. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. God says, Jesus is going to do this. He he says, the Lord your God will set... Oh, is that the beginning of it? Okay. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, did Jesus do that? Being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, did Jesus do that? Next part. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations. The next one, verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Did Jesus do that? He did that. Who did He do that for? you got to get this in your mind. Who did He do that for? Who did He do that for? The reason He did it for you and me... I mean, He was in heaven. Did He have to do this for Himself? He had it. He was God. Perfect. He did that for... Us. Why? Because us couldn't do it. So, this is why this is called the gospel. The good news. The almost this is t- almost too good to be true news. That's why it is almost too good to be true news. Because it is the gospel, the good news. I couldn't do that, so I needed a savior. I couldn't listen to God's voice perfectly. I can listen to it. I can listen to a lot of it and I can obey a lot of it. Every single day, every minute of my life? No, I cannot. I needed a Savior. To Him to know to do good and doesn't do good to Him, it is sin. I needed a Savior. God says, you know what? They're not going to be able to do this. So Jesus took my place, took your place on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin. This, so now we have God doing this. You say, yeah, but how about all that cursed stuff? So if I do wrong, because this is what religion teaches you. If I do wrong, now I could be cursed. You know, I really messed up and so I got the flu. And I deserve this. I did wrong. I deserve this. Well, Galatians 3.13 Christ has redeemed us from the, the what? The curse. Where's the curse? Deuteronomy chapter 28. It says your finances are cursed, your body's cursed, your children are cursed, your dog's cursed, everything about you is cursed. Everything about you is cursed. What's the good news? Christ has, has, has is past tense. Not going to. Not when you get to heaven. Because most people will say, yeah, when we all get to heaven, it's going to be glorious. No, no, it's just going to be glorious when we get to heaven. Yeah, it is. It is going to be great. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be great. But this scripture says, Christ has, not going to, has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Just read Deuteronomy. Just write down Deuteronomy chapter 28. Go home and look at it. 66 verses. So It'll take you a couple of minutes to read that. It's, it gets ugly in there. I mean ugly. Why? Because it's a curse. So don't ever think it's sick. Oh, I've had this sickness for 20 years, you know. Oh, but it's okay. You treat it like a pet. Yeah, but I've been getting along, all right. No, honey, it's a curse. I said it's, anything wrong with your body that's not right is a curse. So quit treating it like it's from God. It's not. What's the good news? I'm redeemed from it. So you look at that whatsoever attacking your body and say, Hey, I'm redeemed from you. You can't stay on me. I'm redeemed. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. When was Jesus cursed? When He was crucified on the cross. God, in the spiritual realm, and this if you can study this out, Leviticus and the first books of the Bible called the Pentateuch, the high priest would lay his hand upon the spotless lamb. The high priest did this once a year. All the sin, all the curse of that whole year would go and be put on that lamb. So the whole tribe of Israel would be free until next year, until the high priest would do it again. What was that a type of? It was a type when Jesus Christ was up on the cross. God Almighty, the Father of all fathers, of all priests, came down, put his hand upon Jesus Christ when he was upon the cross. And he said, all of the curse, Deuteronomy chapter 28, all of the curse, all of the sin, everything is now on Jesus. And him who knew no sin was made sin. Him who knew no curse was cursed. He was made cursed. That's why, for the first time in all eternity, what did Jesus say while he was on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he forsake him? Because he was cursed in sin. God couldn't do it. couldn't be one anymore. For the first time, God the Father left him. Left him. Why? For you and for me. For us. Listen. You don't have to do right and to do good to get what Jesus has done for us. It's called grace. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. So, Pastor, you saying, "Ooh, we get to sin now? It's okay to sin? Do you really think that?" No, there, there, there are repercussions from sin. Why did God say to people, "Don't sin"? You know, if, if when my kids were toddlers and there was a knife laying there, I'd say, "Now listen, don't play with that knife." My kid doesn't think, my dad doesn't want me to have any fun at all. I can't play with knives. <sighs> He's such a drag. I'm sure they don't say that word now. I don't know what word they say, but no. But you know, if you came over to my house, listen to me now, if you came over to my house, I'm not going to say, no, Jeremy, there's knives in there. But don't play with the knives, okay? I got knives in my kitchen. Don't play with the knives, Jeremy. You know, if you say that to some adult in there, I'm probably am not going to stay. Because I'm thinking something wrong with you. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? But you say that to children. Why? Because children don't know any better. They don't know who they are. I said they don't know who they are. They don't have the maturity to know who they are. But once you become an adult and you know who you are, I don't say all right, we got guests. I just want to make an announcement to all of our guests. You know, don't play with the knives in the kitchen. They're sharp and they can cut you, okay? Just want you to know. Just want everybody to know. And there's gas in the garage. Don't drink the gas, okay? It's harmful. could kill you. I got antifreeze in there, too. Don't, whatever you do. Smells good, looks pretty, it's green. Don't drink it, okay? Don't drink it. Toxic. You say, well, that's funny. why God talks about sin. The people who are mature, who don't know any better, or, listen to me, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know why he talked about it more? It's because the Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to, not trying, they thought by keeping the law, that made them right before God. So Jesus turned around and told him. You want to keep the law, then you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to be perfect. So the church says, oh, if we're going to be right before God, we got to be perfect. He was talking to the religious people. He was talking to people who thought they were self-righteous by doing what is right, by keeping the law. That made them right before God. I do this, so I'm righteous. I do this and I'm righteous. God says... He told the prostitutes and, and the tax collectors if you're like them you're not going to get into heaven he said that to the religious people why because the religious people weren't basing their relationship with God on Jesus they were basing their relationship upon how good they could be and how right they could be that is called self righteousness you need to get a hold of this No, I'm not saying sin. will kill you. You shoot heroin in your veins, you know. I I mean, you you tell young people, don't do drugs. I mean, it'll kill you. It's not because... Now, if you want to be right, don't do drugs. No, you do that because there's repercussions from it. There's repercussions from it. But let me say this. It's not sin that keeps you from God. Let me just ask you this. When you sin, when you sin, does His love go down? You better know the answer to that. When you sin, does God are you out of favor with God? Let me just paint it a little different. Are you out of favor with God? When you sin, when you do wrong. Are you ever out of favor with God? <laughs> Never. The only time you're out of favor with God, and even then you're he, he died for all of the loss. Pull up John three seventeen for me while she's pulling that up. Listen to me. Listen to me. Before you got born again. You didn't have the blessings of God. You didn't have the favor of God. But nonetheless, John 3.17 says that he came. You got it? Well, she's li- listen to me. When God, when you do something wrong, listen to me. When you do something wrong, if you could hear in a spiritual realm, you would hear Jesus say, I still love you. I just want you to know I still love you. Why is that important? Because when most people sin or mess up, they, don't want, they, they feel condemned, they don't want to go to church, they don't want anything to do with God. Why? Because they don't think God loves them enough like He used to. If you ask them, oh yeah, sure, God loves me, you don't really believe that. You don't really believe that. For God did not send His Son into the world to... He did not send His Son to condemn the world but that the world through Jesus might be saved. So anytime you and I feel condemned, anytime you feel guilty, it's not of God. Because Jesus came not to condemn the world. I know that's a simple thing, but I don't think the church has gotten a hold of that. So I just have this in the back of mind. Anytime Mike Davis feels condemned or guilty, you can rest assured that's not from God. No matter what. Yeah, but what if I do wrong? People do wrong because they don't know who they are. That's why the world has, the church world, has taught people you're a sinner saved by grace. So what you're saying is you, you're, you're not really righteous, you're a sinner. That's the phrase. I mean, you've heard that. I heard that all my life. Oh, I'm not perfect. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. The devil loves it when you say that. Yep, that's what you are. You're a sinner. You're a worm. You're not just a sinner, you're a sinning worm. You're just a worm. You're just a sinner. Well, what's the problem with that picture? What is the problem with that picture? Sinners live in sin. What do sinners do? They just live in sin. So I'm a sinner. I live in sin. And so since I'm a sinner, I'm condemned all the time. And God says, you're not a sinner. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I couldn't live right to get that. I couldn't do self things to myself. Like the Pharisees and Sadducees and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were trying to do all of that so they would be in right standing with God. And God says, you will never do everything right, so therefore you will never be in right standing. They thought they were in right standing. Because we do good. I, I pray. I'm religious. And I'm spiritual. And I'm better than you. And God said that was a stench in his nostrils. There's only one way to be in right standing with God and it has nothing to do with your performance. It has to do with the performance of one man. Jesus. That's why he's the most awesome. He did that for me. He did that for you. I couldn't do anything. I still don't do things right. But I know one thing, because I believe on Him, because I believe on Him, I am forever made righteous, ever and ever and ever. When I do wrong, still righteous. When you sin, and you will, God still sees you as righteous. How can that be? How can that be? Because of one man. In Romans, I believe it's chapter 5 or 6, it says, By one man's... Let me ask you this. You were a sinner not because you sinned. The Bible says, By one man's disobedience. Who was the one man? Adam. Oh, you rascal. Because of one man's disobedience, all were made sinners. How were we made Sinners. You could say this, by birth. As soon as you were born on this planet, you're a sinner. Why? Because you were born into it. If it was possible for you never to have sinned, you still would be a sinner. This is good to know this. It's just good to know. People think, if I could just do right, you know. No. I don't care how many people you fed... I don't care how many poor people you help, you're still a sinner. And you're going to split hell wide open. And it's not because of your sin. It's because you were born into it. That's why Jesus came to take our place so you and I could be born again. Now, in Romans, it says one, we're all made sinners because of one man's disobedience. But all can be made righteous by one man's obedience. We were made sinners by one man's disobedience. We can be all made righteous by one man's obedience. Who was the one man? It was Jesus. He's the one who made me righteous today. It wasn't Mike preaching or doing right or taking care of people that makes me righteous. It's because of Jesus and him alone. So, you need to know that. Why? Why? It affects your identity. And once you get your identity right, it affects the way you behave. You'll act better towards your wife. You'll act better towards everybody because I'm the righteousness of God waiting just going someplace to happen. (laughs) So, you need to have a better picture. Not only of who you are, but the picture of God. Let's stand.